0: Well, this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together as the people of God and as we begin our approach to the Christmas season, I would like you to take your Bible, if you have one with you, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 12 through 17. That will be our text for this morning. The Apostle Paul authors this particular letter and he writes to his Apprentice Timothy, and he says to him, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, our first point this morning is a dramatic transformation. (coughs) Excuse me. The good news of the Christian gospel, the good news of Christmas is that God has the power to transform lives. Church history abounds with the stories of dramatic conversions that testify to the grace of God and to the power of the gospel. In the fourth century, there was a man named Augustine who was a self-professed womanizer. He was powerfully saved by the gospel and turned out to be one of the church's greatest theologians apart from the apostle Paul. In the 16th century, there was a Roman Catholic monk in a monastery named Martin Luther who reading through the book of Romans became deeply convicted by the Holy Spirit that salvation comes by faith alone that justification before God is by faith alone apart from any human works. He was gloriously saved and God used Martin Luther to change the world In the 18th century, there was a man named John Newton. He was a captain of slave ships, transporting African slaves. But he was powerfully saved by the gospel and became one of the main proponents, the main advocates of abolition, of the abolition of slavery. He became a pastor and he also became one of the church's great hymn writers with his pinnacle work being amazing grace which was the testimony of his own salvation in the 19th century there was a young man named dl moody who had very little formal education he went to work in his uncle's shoe store and part of the requirement that his uncle gave him for working there is that he had to go to sunday school on sundays and his sunday school teacher led him to christ and dl moody at that time in history become became one of the great evangelists in the world. But you know, it's not just church history that abounds with powerful testimonies of transformed lives by the gospel, but it is churches just like ours. We have many here this morning who have been powerfully changed by the gospel. Just in this last year, 2019, in our one church, we've had 35 people join our church and give public testimony of how they came to know Christ as Savior. And yet they are just a small part of many of you who have amazing testimonies of how you came to know Christ as Savior. And Paul wants Timothy to know that he came to salvation in Christ. As a result of and only as a result of the grace of God. Now in this section some think that Paul is digressing here, because if you read through chapter one and verses three through eleven, the apostle Paul is staunchly exhorting Timothy to and warning him about false teachers and to stand up against the false teachers. And so Paul is not digressing here, but Paul is contrasting his genuine, grace-filled salvation with the teachings of the false teachers. Paul thanks Christ, who gave him strength to be a servant of the Lord. In verse 12, again, he says, I thank him, Christ, Who has given me strength. Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he judged me faithful. Appointing me to his service. I thank Christ. Because he gave me strength. He's the one who has judged me faithful. He is the one that has appointed me to his service. Everything is from Christ. Everything I am. Everything I have. Paul is saying it is from Christ. The strength I have. It is from Christ. The one to whom I am accountable. It is Christ. Who has appointed me to this service. As an apostle to the Gentiles. It is Christ. Everything. Everything Paul is saying. Is a result of the grace of God. And this gives Paul a Holy Spirit. Infused confidence. And resolve. I have all of this. By the grace of God. Let me labor diligently. Let me serve my master faithfully. Well. Paul knows well that he doesn't deserve any of it. In the first part of verse 13, he says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. And you know this if you read through the New Testament at all, that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. He was a devout Pharisee, and he began to persecute, even violently persecuting those who were teaching this way of grace and faith in Jesus Christ. He was an ardent supporter of the law as the way to salvation. But in the second part of verse 13, he says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And there is a beautiful transition in this verse. He says, formerly, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy. That is the testimony of every Christian. Here's who I was. But I received mercy. In the month of November. I spent most of the month. Sharing with you about the mercy of God. Giving us. In abundance. That which we did not earn. Nor did we deserve. But because of his kindness and mercy. He has given us. His salvation. And Paul was so mindful of that. So cognizant. Of that. I love 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. It is kind of a self description that Paul gives of himself, and one that every Christian ought to read over and over again. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. This is an amazing section. Paul says, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. I think of the way I lived, the evil that I did, the sin that I was involved in. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, but... By the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you know that's your testimony this morning? And that's my testimony. I am what I am. I stand here as a Christian, as one redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, only because of the grace of God. And Paul says, His grace to me was not without effect. No, I labored. I strived in my faith. He said, no, I worked harder than all of them. And here comes the amazing part. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. My, even my hard work is because of the grace of God. My ability to work hard, my ability to be faithful, my ability to want to honor and glorify my Savior are all gifts to me by the grace of God. And I want you to notice the grace-filled proclamation of verse 14. And he says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. With the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Oh my. He says the grace of our Lord overflowed. I love that. It was more than I could handle. It just overflowed in my life. And even my faith. Even my faith and my love. Are the result of the grace of God. They are the result of the resurrected and living Christ. Moving and flowing through me. I am what I am by the grace of God. Well, that brings us to our second point this morning. That all builds up to this second point, And that is Christ came into the world. Verse 15 is a beautiful summation of the meaning of Christmas. And it's the reason that I'm using this passage this morning. In verse 15... Paul says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Now, when the Bible says that, pay attention. I mean, we should always pay attention, but this is a strong statement. What I'm about to say to you, the statement I'm about to make is trustworthy and deserving of your full acceptance. You deserve to give it full credibility. This is the inspired, inerrant word of God to you. And here it is, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What a statement. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Folks, that is a great summation of the gospel, and that is a great summation of the meaning of Christmas. What does Christmas mean? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He lived a perfectly obedient life. He died a substitutionary death. He was raised from the dead by the power of God and a powerful resurrection. And in that, he did everything necessary to accomplish your salvation so that salvation can only be received as a gift It is not something we do. It is something that has been done for us. And we receive it as a gift. We look to Christ. We look to the cross. We look to the empty tomb. We look to the stable in Bethlehem. And we see that our Savior has done it all for us. And we humbly, like a hungry homeless person longing for food, we humbly receive. The gift of salvation. It is that that brings us in union with Christ and makes us children of God. And Paul says in the last part of verse 15, Of whom I am the foremost. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. In the New International Version, it says, I am the worst of sinners. The famous rendering in the King James Version is, I'm the chief of sinners. He's saying, I'm the foremost sinner. I'm the worst sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. And I want you to know this is not false humility. He's not saying, aw shucks. I'm the worst of them all. No, he was a very wicked man before he came to Christ. Trusting in his own righteousness and not in the righteousness of Christ. And so God saved the Apostle Paul to display the perfect patience of his mercy. You may say, why, as we look back on church history, why did God save one of the worst sinners and turn him into the church's greatest missionary? Why did God do it? Why did God accomplish it that way? Well, the reason is found in verse 16. The answer is given to us in verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, as the worst, as the chief of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. The key phrase in verse 16 is for this reason. Why did God do this in Paul's life? For this reason, that in Paul, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Oh, God waited patiently for Paul to come to the cross, for him to come to that point of repentance and faith. And let me share with you this morning, he is waiting for you if you haven't come to him. And in every one of our lives, he has waited patiently for us to come to the point where we realize there is nothing we can do to earn our own salvation. We lay aside all human effort. And we receive the free gift of salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. And God is perfectly patient. Perfectly patient with each of us. For this reason, Paul says, I came to Christ to be an example for those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul became an example to others. They would look to the Apostle Paul and they would say, Oh my, he preaches the gospel so powerfully. He is so devoted to Christ. He has poured out his life for the gospel, but he was the man who persecuted Christians. He was the one that had them killed. He was the one that dragged them to prison. Look what God has done in Paul's life. And here we are over 2,000 years later and we are still saying to this day, look what God has done in Paul's life. Wow. And when you understand that, then you understand verse 17. If you don't understand that, you won't understand verse 17. Paul, in writing a letter, all of a sudden... In the very first part of the letter just breaks out in praise. Verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He saved me. By his mercy. To show his perfect patience. So that I might be an example to others who will believe in him for eternal life. Oh, to the king of the ages. Immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the flow. Let me tell you, verse 17 is worthy of your memorization. So that at any point on any day, you can just break out and praise him. Verses like this in the Bible, whether it be Revelation 5 or one of the Psalms, memorize some of those verses so that at any point as you are overwhelmed with the grace of God and the mercy of God, when you think about how he saved you, when you think that you are what you are by the grace of God, then just break out in praise. We weren't saved so that we could be arrogant or smug and say, look at me, I'm a Christian and you're not. No, no, God saved us so that we might praise him and exalt him and honor him and worship him. Well, here's the summation of this passage of Scripture. If God can save the Apostle Paul, he can save anyone. He can. If you know Christ as your Savior this morning, you know deep in your soul you are only a sinful man or a sinful woman saved by the grace of God. You are, verse 16. There is a sense in which you also are, verse 16. You are received the mercy of God because of the perfect patience of Christ so that others could look at you fill in your name so that others could look at you and say I want to believe in Christ too because because of what I see in her and what I see in him. No one here is beyond the grace of God That is the message of Christmas. If God saved the Apostle Paul. God saved you. He can save anyone. No one. Whomever that person may be out there. Whatever their sins. Opposition. Lifestyle may be right now. They are never. Beyond. The grace. Of God. So this Christmas. Let us remember that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, we welcome you to participate in the Lord's Supper with us. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, or if you don't know what that means, we would love to talk with you about that. But we'd ask as we uh, pass the elements around that you just very quietly let them pass by. This is a time where those who know Christ in a very vivid and real way Remember his death and resurrection for them. Before we share the bread together, one of our deacons, Andrew Davis, will lead us in prayer.
1: Let's pray. Father, as we enter this Christmas season, we remember the end of Jesus' time on this earth, as well as his coming into this world as a baby in a manger laying down his life for our sins in obedience to you. Father, we are thankful that the good news continues from the baby in the manger to the man, Jesus, dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for that hope spanning that entire timeline and on into eternity. Lord, thank you for Jesus being our example of obedience even to the point of death and is this it is this that we remember this morning father thank you In jesus name amen
0: The bread you hold in your hand this morning is meant to be a symbol, a powerful symbol of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 26, as Jesus celebrated the first Lord's Supper with his disciples, he said, or or we read, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's eat together. Before we share the cup together, one of our other deacons, Jeff Ely, will lead us in prayer.
1: Dear Father, we humbly come before you and we just give you all the praise and honor and glory dear father we thank you that you sent your son jesus to this earth to come as a man a sinless man who died on a cross so that we may have the opportunity to choose salvation through him and we are so grateful and so thankful for that and we take this cup at this time to remind to remind us that he did die on that cross and he came to die for us and that we have a free will that we can choose him. And I just ask that um, if there's anybody here today that hasn't chose you to be their Savior, that they would humble their heart and that they would make that decision for you to bring honor and glory to your name.
2: In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: The cup you hold in your hand this morning is also a symbol, a powerful symbol of the gospel. And we read, and he, Jesus, took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Well, at this time, we are going to take our deacons fund offering. It is an offering to help those who are in need among us. And also at times, we're able to help those who are in need in our community. So we will take that offering at this time. Receive the offering this morning. Joy to the world.
2: And sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground He comes to make His blessings known For as the curse is found For as the curse is found For as, for as The curse is found He rules the world
1: Let's stand together and close in prayer this morning. Lord, it is impossible for us to express sufficient gratitude for the sacrifice that you have made for us. But Lord, as we have reflected upon uh, your sacrifice for us this morning, may we go from this place with hearts refreshed, renewed, and encouraged to share of our faith with those we come in contact with this week, that they too might share in the salvation you give so freely. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.